Good afternoon, planet Earth. Good afternoon to all those folks living up in the mountains. Good afternoon to the swamp people, to the people who hunt alligator. Somewhere down in Louisiana, not far from New Orleans. Good afternoon to the people that fish for what's left in the great ocean. Stick your line in, stick your trap in, pull out that thing, that miserable creature, it is alive. It's almost 1.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Scompton, Utah. Not far from Vernal, that infernal Vernal. Many miles from Salt Lake City, that fallen place. In the shadow of the Uinta Mountains where the Wookiee people make their plans for our demise. Yeah, they sharpen their sticks. They polish their knives. They make shuriken from garbage. They make the throwing stars from stuff we cast away. It's coming back to haunt us, though. Like a boomerang. Like a ball. Like the moon. Coming back around. Yes, it is Wednesday, April the 26th, 2023, almost 1.30 p.m. How are you doing? How's your day going? Are you getting excited about something? Are you getting started on something? Are you planting your garden? Are you tilling? Are you watering? How's it going out there? wherever the fuck you are. It's going good here. Nobody cares about where you dump those bodies. Nobody cares where those bodies were dumped. Nobody cares if we take those bodies to the river in East Scompton where those folks hold their weird olive oil parties. Nobody cares if you take those kittens and put them in a few garbage bags with rocks and you dump them in the bay. No one cares. People will take photos with you. People will want your autograph. But they don't care about those kittens. Nobody cares. If you start rounding up old people out near Grinkentown, if you start selling pot pie to the sad old miserable shut-ins, but it's really cat food in rancid cookie dough, no one cares. You'll get an award, probably.
Nobody cares about the flowers. If you, if you like the flowers growing in your garden, your neighbors don't fucking care. Nobody cares about the waiting list for organ transplants that are never gonna happen, okay? Nobody cares whether or not your loved one got a vaccination or didn't get a vaccination. Nobody cares if you exist. Nobody cares about methane or permafrost or the class rate. It's too hard to think about. Just give me my Exxon Mobil. Just give me my Greta Thunberg. Just give me my Al Gore cartoon talking points. <laughs> Methane Dan, permafrost, what's that, fucker? Yeah, nobody cares. If you've looked at the windshield of a truck over the last 10 years, they look pretty clean compared to when you were a kid. Nobody fucking cares. There are abandoned kids, orphan children, working in a cobalt mine so you can have your tablet. Nobody cares. That plane that crashed with the lacrosse team on board, that plane that crashed in the Peruvian mountains, that plane that crashed with all those kids and those few adults and there's no food and they're 20,000 feet up, nobody fucking cares. They'll eat each other to the bone. They'll make marrow stew. Insurance payouts will take care of their relatives. Their relatives will be getting drunk, thinking others are dead. You'll be in the mountains, eating your friend Ted. Nobody fucking cares. The dying oceans, billions of dead crabs, orca whales, they can't find nothing to eat. Nobody cares. But Dan, that's a shitty attitude, fucker. And I know it's a shitty attitude. I know. I know it's a crappy, fucktastic attitude. And I'll let you on a little fucking secret. It's a news flash. It's gonna blow your fucking mind. Nobody cares. Nobody. Nobody. Not your friends, not your family, not your parents if they're still alive, not your kids if you have any, or if you know that you have any, right? They don't care, all right? Everybody is trapped in their own personal set of lies at this point. Everybody walks around with their own private telescreen telling them exactly what they need to understand. And one of the topics is not being concerned about your issues. Nobody fucking cares. Okay? You've got problems. You got cancer. You know somebody that's dying. You might be dying yourself. Nobody cares. There are cops chasing you. You might end up in jail. Nobody fucking cares. Your car broke down last week and you can't afford to fix it. So you're going to get fired from your job. No one cares. People will sometimes pretend to care. They'll say, oh, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. Really? They'll say, I'm sorry, but that doesn't really mean they fucking care. You're walking down the street. Not far from your home, it's dark outside. You hear footsteps behind you. They're moving faster now. The dude's getting closer, or that gal, or that freak. They're high on drugs. They're high on meth. They've been drinking white lightning and nobody cares. You go to the bowling alley to meet to meet your girlfriend, Roberta. She tells you she's pregnant because she had sex with your brother. Okay? And nobody cares. You walk out of the bowling alley angry and half drunk. And half drunk is not better than fully drunk in this case. It'd be better if you were fully drunk, but nobody fucking cares. You walk back home and those same footsteps are following you. Clickety-clack, clickety-clack like some tap dancer on your soul. You make it back to your door and you open your door and inside everything's ransacked. They took everything. They took what little fucking shit you had. They took your TV set. They took your computers. They took everything. They took your clothes. They pooped and peed everywhere. And nobody cares. That's the truth of it. Did you know that a movie came out in 1967 that was considered, well, ground-shaking, earth-shattering, important, you know, kind of crucial, critical, foundational. For more than a decade, in the 50s and 60s, the Swedes had controlled this particular industry but in 1967, the movie Cumgasm came out. Yes, it was out of Sweden and represented one of the best examples of Buvula play, then seen by a strangely broken American public from the Vietnam War. Tired from that ongoing war, the Americans were ready for a story about some red-haired freak, barely clothed, running through the woods of Sweden being chased by bare-chested blonde chud, carrying ropes and chains, chains and whips. The main character, Dana, was constantly pulling herself through those brutal swamps and fighting off wild Swedish, wild Swedish alligators while only wearing a t-shirt and ripped underwear. Buried in the mythos of this story, Cumgasm, was the tale of orgasmic pleasure from the filling of a woman's chalice. 
Her thrust ogre is always waiting, always ready for some white man or black man to fill her up, to complete her. And as she senses a totalistic oneness, her mother code kicks in and wants to make sure the baby's okay. That's right. Cumgasm 2, the cumminer, came in 1972. Just in time for the wave of sexualism spreading across America. Torrid and spicy, weird scenes involving large black men with overly sized male man tubes were taking turns with the new Dana. The woman that played Dana had overdosed in 1971 from too much fucking heroin. Yeah, nobody cares. An old freak from the LA Times, film critic Sherrod T. Myers, labeled Cumgasm 2 the most important theater experience since Gone with the Wind. Sherrod took his brother's wife, Tina, to the movie. His brother was killing Catholic nuns in El Salvador for the CIA at the time. He and Tina made love afterwards, so excited by the surprise ending of Cumgasm 2. Sherrod ended up murdering Tina a few weeks later when he found out she was pregnant. It was a hard time for people back then, you know? A hard time for the dark lords of midnight who hunted their prey, blameless as the moon looked on and the astronauts died of cocaine. When Cumgasm 3 came out, the original Swedish film crew, they all decided the film on location in the jungles of the Philippine Islands in the swamps of the Philippines, surrounded by weird freaks, and they didn't care. They'd shoot the film on one of those lost islands ran by cannibals and heroin lords. They made deals with Lord Tig of the Eastern Philippine Alliance of Communist Rebels. Tig enjoyed his white women, and the Cumgasm team made many white slave women available to him to be taunted and tied up, to be whipped. Film of these off-the-cuff encounters made it into Cumgasm 3, The Seven Tubes of Scorn. The storyline behind The Seven Tubes is kind of simple. An Australian geologist played by Misty Freewinkle, known for her supporting roles in films like Deep Throat and the Dallas Forward Pass. Tara Disray, the main heroine of this story, finds herself in the swampy jungle, sweaty and tired, and surrounded by many angry and lustful natives that she had hired in Manila to help her find the mother load of ancient oils and greases that would make her rich, that would give her Exxon money, that would give her oil money. That's the seven tubes of scorn. As the filming of seven tubes progressed, Dick Remington, the man playing Misty's romantic hero in the film, came down with a form of genital crabs, only found in the Philippines. A weird, nasty illness. Those damn things... Adolf Dick's penis, and he had to be replaced by, you know, an up-and-coming star named Hank 
Denver. Hank Denver was well known in the film world as a lover double. A man who would play Steve McQueen in some steamy love scene, injecting his sausage magic and large pectoral muscles. At one point during the filming, Tig, the warlord chieftain, decided he wanted to be in the film, and things got messy. Tig made weird requests and began holding late-night swamp and cocaine orgies where the actors and actresses were forced to participate in sexual rituals, where Tig did coke and watched and listened to Bee Gees music. The world turned dark in that jungle, and each night things got worse, leaving the crew of Seven Tubes wondering if they would ever make it out of there, if they'd ever make it out of that Philippine jungle hell alive. Misty, who was preparing for her big scene, had never done seven men at the same time. But the penultimate scene unlocking the secrets of the ancient oils and greases required this ritual, and it was meant to be brutal, humiliating, painful, and messy. They had six cocks ready to go, but the seventh was missing, probably dead someplace, probably being eaten by rats. So the director looked about for volunteers, and Tig, the warlord, was ready to go. He wanted to become a Hollywood star. That night, they shot the ultimate love scene. Seven men running a train on one petite and busty misty. There was a horrible monsoon, and the jungle was extra steamy, extra slimy, extra oily, as Misty took it. As Misty took it and took it hard, she was tied between four trees with roughly tied rope, stretching her apart, all spread eagle. She was gagged, but her screams could be heard throughout the jungle, yes, as those nasty men did what they did to her. Every hole, sometimes two or three to one hole. All the shots that night 
took about five hours. As the sun was coming up, Misty was freed from her jungle imbroglio, and the men were drinking beer and eating meat and doing even more cocaine as that sun broke over the horizon. At around 7 a.m., the director let everyone know that this was it. They had it in the can, and they were ready to go home They'd filmed 27 hours of lovemaking and jungle chases and weird alligator dick play. Even Misty wondered if this was going to be her big hit and maybe she could buy that cheetah farm in Santa Barbara. Many decades later, after the fourth trigleam conflict, this film would be used to spread anti-Philippine propaganda. The scarab priests of Delaware made their case known against all profanity as the Jism Sons of Texas consolidated their control of northern Mexico and Phoenix, Arizona. Carla Tate, <laughs> she was putting on an improv show in Vegas called Come Gasm X, ready for it, and it was being and it was being received very positively by the New York City crowd. But nobody really understands the pain of those days. Nobody cared to remember the struggle in that jungle to create art. Cumgasm was something more. It was something special. It was a dedication to a woman's total pleasure, received and conceived, when the chalice is full, and the orifice is active, and the cup runneth over. But nobody cares, right? Nobody cares. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Your smart device is the gaslight, Dr. Freckles. <laughs> what does that fucking mean, Dr. Freckles? Your smart device, your glowing rectangle is the gaslight. I don't know if I want to spend a lot of time on this quote, um, in part because I feel like I beat a dead horse in recent weeks, and I'm not sure it makes any difference. Uh, one way or the other. You know, people at this point in the game are going to believe what they need to believe, not because it's true, but because it gets them through the day. And I mean it. It gets them to wake up in the morning. It gets them to their cup of coffee. It gets them through the day. No matter what they have to do in some stupid fucking job, or maybe they're looking for a job. Maybe they're unemployed. 
Maybe their house got broke into, and maybe they're slowly coming to the realization that nobody fucking cares. couple decades ago going to see a movie, a documentary, which at the time was 10 years dated. It was already 10 years old. Um, it was based on a book written by Noam Chomsky, Chomsky, whatever you want to say. And I'd read this book about 20 years ago called Manufacturing Consent. And the main ideas behind the book deal with American propaganda and how the American media works and how the American media works hat and glove with the American deep state. And, you know, I used to think back then that people, you know, people like me, they would, they would recognize this truth and they would make changes. I used to be more of an optimist. I thought to myself, well, okay, if given the opportunity to pursue the truth, people will find it. It's like the internet 20 or 25 years ago. People would say, well, with the internet, people now, they can know the truth. But what if, what if, what if? That is literally, literally, completely, totally the opposite of what fucking happened. What if the internet became a fire hose of garbage? And yeah, 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 there's the video games and the pornography, and that's about 70%. But what if the other 30% was just mostly garbage, mostly crap? It's not to say it's all crap. I mean, that would be a bit extreme. But it is a lot of garbage. And these smart devices, which seem so helpful, you know, it, you may, it kind of makes you wonder, um, maybe that was always part of the plan. I mean, I'm not saying specifically a, a little phone that, you know, looked like a PDA and that Apple would somehow originate. Maybe not, maybe not that specifically, but um, some type of information trap some type of information trap that people get stuck in. see, the, the more I've seen people focused on their smart devices, their tablets, their phones, the more I've come to understand that within that device is a tailored reality. It's not necessarily a complete picture of every version, every distorted, mutated version of what we call reality. But what if they covered enough of the spectrum to fulfill everyone's needs? I mean, if 70% of the internet is pornography or video games or downloading movies, 
um, then how much of that 30% do you need to actually be that sophisticated about? How many different worlds do you have to produce? Maybe only a dozen, maybe only a few. And maybe there are slight variations and each one fits the person's reality. They stare at their glowing rectangle. They do their monkey dance from 2001, A Space Odyssey. They've got their monolith and they're ready to go. And they can wake up that morning and go and go to work. And you know what's even better about this? If that reality is really working for them, then they can believe somebody cares. Like there are people out there that care. They can go on social media and they've never met these people. They've never met John or Pete. They've never met Roxo, but they'll get a consistent message. We care. We totally care. Hey, check out my new podcast on how everything's really just super duper great. We care. We really fucking care. I don't know. You come to your own conclusion, brothers and sisters. I cannot tell you. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. What's an innuendo, really, if you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a dumb topic. Let's move to the next one. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. If it does not work, if what you're doing does not work, Try something else. You know, it's funny, though. On the subject of, of concern and caring and whatnot, and weird sexploitation films produced in the Philippines in the 1970s, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Pam Greer. If what you're doing doesn't work, try something else. This is a message for people out there that think they're drowning. Because, you know, in part, nobody cares, but also they're living in a make-believe fake kind of world. You know, a world which is completely disconnected from the world that's going to keep them alive. 
And a lot of people keep doing the same things over and over again. And it doesn't work, and their life does not improve, but they're afraid to change. You know, they're afraid to look at that smart device and rebuke it. They're afraid to look at the system that's being fed to them and say, this is crap. They're afraid to freak out their friends and their neighbors in real life and say strange things like, maybe voting itself doesn't work. Like, you know what, dude? Biden, Trump, Robert F. Kennedy, fuck you. I mean, Nikki Haley? Maybe the whole thing's a fucking joke. Maybe choosing between Democrat and Republican isn't much of a fucking choice anyways. And even if it was a choice, it's never going to work. But you say things like that to your friends and neighbors, and it's worse than they don't care. They look at you like you're a freak, like you grew an extra head. You see, you could move. You could change. There are things you could do in your life that are different from what you're doing today. But people you know in your life will tell you, oh, you can't, you can't do that. That's not right. You gotta, you gotta stay, you know, with the Fox News, with the CNN, the National Pubic Radio. You have to, you know, pick up that newspaper. You've gotta look at that fucking internet, baby. what you're doing doesn't work, if what you're doing is destroying you, if what you're doing is ruining your life, then you should stop. I mean, if, if, all, if the only decision you can make today is to stop doing things that are harming you, that's enough of a decision for today. You don't have to figure out for tomorrow what you're going to do. Figure that shit out tomorrow. But what if you're, but what you're doing today, if it does not work, if it does not help you, if it's not functional, if it's not healthy, then stop. And then maybe try to figure out how to do something else. I'm not going to tell you I have the answers. I don't think there is a lifestyle and wellness program for Boblimpdoc. There isn't. Because even if I had the 100% uncritical truth, which I do not, I don't have truth that you can accept without question, because I don't know the full truth. I have suppositions. I have, I have conjectures. I have looking through a glass darkly, as most of us do. But I don't have any fucking certainty. I don't know anybody that does. I just know a bunch of people that have their own special private Idaho type reality that comes to them from their glowing rectangle. And so far, so good. There's still food at the grocery store. Yeah, it's pixelated, but there's still food. And the bank is still open. And the money still works. And it's all going to do that until it doesn't. 
And maybe you're being asked to work harder because they had to fire some people. And maybe you're being stressed out by people in your life because you're not buying those brand new things that everybody tells you you need to have. Maybe you're on a treadmill and you're running so hard you're going to burn yourself out. And the key message here is this. If it doesn't work, you should stop. Okay? If it's killing you, if it's ruining your life, if... If every day you wake up and say to yourself, this is miserable, there isn't a drug for that. There really isn't. You can take all the antidepressants in the world and they won't fix that. If what you're doing does not work, try something else. If what you're doing does not work, that's not a reason to give up. It's not a reason to say it's all over. It's not a reason to harm yourself or harm anybody else. But it could be a really good fucking reason to stop doing the stupid shit you're doing. Really, it could be. A great fucking reason. Like what Dr. Freckles says, if what you're doing does not work, try something else. Next topic, next subject, maybe the last one for this very short part, very short, very short podcast, you know, not so short, but short enough, right? And if I sound like I'm a bit off my game, I am, but I'm trying to get back on my game. It's a process. Um, It's heartwarming to see a Norman Rockwell painting, to see a family eating holiday dinner, fathers carving the turkey for the kids. It's kind of heartwarming to see an old-timey movie, mom's in the kitchen cooking something tasty. It's heartwarming to have flecks of microscopic cesium embedded in your cardiac muscle. It burns warmly. It tingles. It's a sparkly kind of special feeling. It's heartwarming to wrap your car around some steel pillar as you bleed out. It's heartwarming to be so desperate, to be so hungry, you'll eat the grinkin' flesh. 
It's so heartwarming. And nobody cares. If you like this podcast, and I don't know why, um, I don't know. But if you like it, and you've taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, if you've taken care of the people you love and care about, if you've thought about the future a little bit and made a rational assumption that what you're being told about supply chains and logistics might be bullshit, and so you've, you know, stocked up on a little bit of food, maybe six months worth. That wouldn't be such a terrible idea. And if you did that and you're thinking about your, your dog or your cat, that's a good idea too. If you've taken care of the people you love, your food, water, shelter, and you've done all this and you still have some money left over, you can feel free to donate to this podcast. It's up to you. You know, like I said, there are good days and bad days. Good days and bad days when I'm doing this, and today is a mixed bag. I have some really generous listeners out there, but I wish I had, you know, a thousand times more, and wishing doesn't make it so. And maybe I need to start selling crypto next week. Maybe I'll sell Boblimpdoc coin, the Bobby coin, you know... Your key to the digital reset. I'll sell a coin that allow you to travel to the future. I'll sell a coin that will make you fall in love. I'll sell a coin that will make you better in bed. I'll sell a coin that will sparkle your groin. Maybe not, though. I think... That's not the right word, think. I know Christ cares. I know Jesus does care. If you pray, maybe not every desire you're praying for will be fulfilled, but I know that the act of prayer is something that will bring 
more goodness and better things to your life. I, I believe this. I know this. And so, jokingly, I can say nobody cares, but the fact is, Christ does care. Christ cares about all of us, even the worst of us. The nastiest, the grossest, the most despicable. Christ does care. Christ would prefer we live the kingdom life. Christ would prefer that we show concern and love for each other. Christ would prefer that we live in peace with each other. But Christ does, on a basic level, care. So it's not really true to say nobody cares. And and I'm not even sure that helps you. I mean, as a Christian, I'd say, take a chance. If you're an atheist or agnostic, take a chance. You don't have to go buy a Bible. You should, but you don't have to today. You don't have to go to a church today. I think you should try to find a good church. It's not easy to do, but you don't have to. You don't have to go visit your brother or your sister that's big into some particular version of Christianity. If you want to, you can, but you don't have to. But something that we can all do, something that's easy enough for everybody, is to pray. So, if you're out there and you think nobody cares, I will give you the answer at least one person does, and that's God. God cares. God cares if you're sad. God cares if you're happy. God cares. And if no one else will listen to you, the Lord in heaven will. If everybody ignores you, Jesus won't. If life feels rocky and brutal and terrible and like some sexploitation flick in the Philippines, guess what? Christ can and will help you along the road. So Christ cares. People are shitheads, but Christ cares. People are scumbags sometimes, but Christ cares. And that would be the message, I think. Even with this dismal podcast, my message is simple. Even if everything and everyone is a giant taco of I don't give a fuck, the Lord in heaven does. Every creation, every thing that happens, even the ugliness of the world, is a result of the Lord's plan. And it's not easy to take it. If you're out there and you're going through trouble and you feel like nobody cares, it's not easy to say to yourself, well, you know, shit. How do I how do I find any type of peace in this maelstrom of disregard and pain? How do I find a way through it? And I would say is give the Lord a chance. Say one prayer today. That's all. One prayer. And then tomorrow say another one. And and there is no one way to pray, but a great way to pray is to say Lord in heaven and then end it with amen. Say, Jesus Christ, here's the situation. I'm going to tell it to you straight. My life has been a mess. I've been doing a lot of stupid shit. Been drinking too much, too much cocaine, too much of everything. Help me, Lord. Amen. It's Wednesday, just after 2 p.m., April the 26th, 2023. And if you're out there and you're saying to yourself, well, fuck Dan, 
nobody cares. And my answer to that is, is the following. At least one person does care. And then you might be surprised. If you open your heart to Jesus, you might be very surprised how many other people will enter your life who also care. It's just an idea. Have a great rest of your Wednesday.